The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Joined by today by R.J. White and Alex Selznick, aka Prop Stars. Uh, Katie Mox is uh, what are we saying? What do they say in the radio business? On assignment, um, which is you know you get the point. Uh, she is uh, out for the day, so I'll be taking over, which means more rambling, random tidbits, and of course, all the games in Week Eight. This episode of Pick Six is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. If you like winning picks, make sure and sign up at sportsline.com and use the promo code PICK. That's PICK to get your first month for a dollar. Last episode of the feed had me, Brady, and Dews clearing the air about Deshaun Watson and looking ahead to see what the trade deadline might have in store. We looked at what uh, candidates could be moved. Check it out on our YouTube channel anywhere you get your podcast. Katie is not here, but it is not related to the fact that she went for last week. Bad week for me and Ms. Mox. I think I went uh, one and four. Not great. Um, RJ and Prop Stars, winning records. You can see our season records here. One and four, very bad. 19-19-1 now for me. RJ, uh, buddy, it didn't take you long to completely scoop slam me and get within uh, like half a game of, of, of the lead with a four and two week. Nice job. Yeah, it was a two man effort. It was me finally getting some picks, right. And it was you finally getting some picks wrong because you were <laughs> way out in front. I was while. due. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still don't know prop how the Rams minus three didn't like the Steelers are the biggest bunch of magic beans I've ever seen in my entire life. Like how they have four, how they're four and two and, uh, the, and the and the and the and the Rams didn't cover is is and like the Ravens didn't cover either is, is just sort of beyond me. But here we are, Katie Mox, zero and six. Wow, wow, wow! That will funnel you down the uh, the leading board. Three and two for Mister Props, and uh, I guess you to fifteen and seventeen. You guys are we're all sort of right there around five hundred. Katie's uh, rough week, of course, uh, does put a, a move her a little bit below. 
It certainly does, but it's anyone's ball game from here on out, reaching them close to the halfway point, right, Princeton? So I'm fired up. I'm, I've got some picks that I love this week already, and, yeah, I think it's a great week of football. A lot of ball game left, as uh, our pal Aaron Nigler likes to say. Let's get to it, and uh, we'll, we'll rip through everything, uh, everything in week eight. We'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles, minus six and a half, heading to – Washington with an over under of 43 and a half. The Eagles have been, look, they've struggled. This game up to seven now on FanDuel, by the way, which is uh, notable. It's obviously a big move across uh, that key number two, seven. Um, look, this Eagles team has been very good, but like, or actually, they, they've got a great record. People have certainly questioned whether or not they've been good, RJ, but they just keep rolling out these wins. And it felt like the, the passing attack really got going there against Miami last week. Great game from the passing attack, which is great news rolling into this game against this awful Washington secondary that's just giving up tons, tons of plays um, and, you know, looks very beatable. Um, Washington was just dominated in whole by an awful Giants team with no offensive line and a backup quarterback. It was pretty ugly. Should have been much worse than the final score, I think, in that game. Philly coming off an excellent game from their defense against a great, you know, the best in the league yard, yards per play wise offense with Miami allowed just 244 yards there. It's like 150 less than Miami's got gotten in any other game. Uh, the offense, you said passing offense came alive, but they still have some dumb mistakes here. Hurt, hurt, Hertz doesn't look quite MVP level at this point. And I know that he has that knee issue running around on that. It's not supposed to be a problem moving forward, but it is something to monitor, see if it affects his play. But if he does have to stay in the pocket more in this game, I think it's a good thing because you're throwing all over Washington even more. So um, just watch an offensive line. I'd say they can't protect Howell, but Howell really can't protect himself. He is just yeah. a sack machine, just loves holding on to the ball. Bad news here against his Philadelphia pass rush. Um, that Washington offense, none of their first 12 drives went longer than 21 yards last week. And you can see the same thing this week. First game shouldn't have been close. It went to overtime, some bad Philly flags there. Um, Philly's just so much better than that, that. I think this line should be well North of seven. So I have best bet minus six and a half, got it up on the site at six and a half. And now it looks like the market is moving to seven. Anything for yeah. you in this game? Probably. Yeah, go ahead. I would agree with RJ's take here, Brinson. I like the Eagles side quite a bit uh, after uh, that first game where the Eagles really had a lot of mistakes versus Washington. I just don't see uh, Washington basically playing the Eagles tough uh, two games this season. I think there's just a massive mismatch, as RJ mentioned. We got Sam Howe on a record pace as far as taking sacks is concerned. The Eagles defensive line as good as any in the NFL. So yeah, the Eagles passing offense is starting to click. I do think there is something to Jalen Hurts not being 100%. Uh, if you guys recall, um, again, against Miami, there was a play in the red zone, an RPO play, I think like close to like the eight, within 10 yards uh, of the end zone, uh, where Kurtz went to the outside and he just pulled up right in front of a would-be tackler. And in the past, that is a spot that he would never do that. So I understand wanting to protect himself. But to me, he looks a little bit less than 100%. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that this is just such a gigantic mismatch pretty much all over the place. So I like the Eagles to roll here as well by double digits. One prop that I like is I'm going to go back to Devontae Smith. We're getting a significant discount here. Uh, I know the production has been spotty. It's certainly been the A.J. Brown show thus far, but I definitely think we've got some squeaky wheel narrative regarding Devontae Smith, getting his receiving yards under 50 versus this Washington secondary, which is very burnable and to, to me is just an excellent value. So that's a guy I like quite a bit this week. With Hurts' knee issue, would you take the under on his rush yards? I don't think it's out yet, but whatever, what do you think it comes out as, and would you be looking to play it under if it's like in the 40s? 
Good question. Yeah, I'd imagine probably be between like 33 and 37. Uh, yeah, I'd certainly look under. I just don't think he wants to put himself in danger. We saw last year, obviously, missing those final couple games uh, at the season. I think his goal really is to get in 17 games. And with him being banged up, uh, they're going to be conservative, coupled with the fact that they're, you know, a significant favorite in the game. So definitely, I think the under is in play here, just depending on the number, if it's, you know, north of 35. Yeah, I don't see anything for Hurts uh, on FanDuel right now. I do see uh, DeAndre Swift is up at like 16 and a half. And then the receiving prop, A.J. Brown, by the way, 91 and a half. Anytime you get a 90 receiving, a 90 plus receiving prop, I mean, that is big stuff. Like we saw, was it Justin Jefferson was getting in the 100 range, which is just wild. But uh, A.J. Brown, I believe, going for six straight 125 yard receiving games would be the first player in NFL history. Is that right? That's crazy. Um, it feels like Jerry Rice would have done I mean, Anytime you. Anytime you do a record and like Jerry Rice, receive a record, Jerry Rice doesn't have it. You know you're doing something right. The Jaguars minus. I got no best bet there. I would lean towards the Eagles for sure as well, though. Um, so maybe we'll maybe that will funnel into a parlay that we put together. We shall see. Jaguars minus two and a half at the Steelers. A uh, look, we got low totals this week again. Forty-one and a half. The Magic Beans here, uh, Alex. The, the the Pittsburgh Magic Beans keep finding a way to win, but their road, their home dogs here. Uh, Jaguars getting a lot of juice as well on FanDuel. You see minus 120, and that total has actually come down to 40 and a half, uh, meaning we don't expect a ton of points. The Steelers are mired in mired in Canadian red clay uh, in terms of how they move on offense. Just don't do a lot, and you've got it, but you got a prop on the Jaguar side, right? I do, Brinson. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot at Calvin Ridley here. I think this is a good buy low opportunity for Ridley coming off that one reception four yard game. Uh, it's kind of been a narrative throughout, you know, Jacksonville's uh, side of things for the last few weeks with the spotty production. But yeah, he's obviously just pointing to the team being five and two. It's just natural ebbs and flows. Two things I think is working or three things really working in Ridley's favor this week. For one, I actually think getting Zay Jones back on the field will take some attention away from Ridley, open things up a bit. There's a drastic difference, albeit a small sample, between Ridley's production with Zay Jones on and Zay Jones off the field. So that's something that I think will benefit Ridley. Also, the way they're utilizing Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, early on in the season, the Steelers were really getting gashed by the run. As a result, they've moved Minka up into the box uh, as a result, we've seen just wide receivers just having massive games vertically uh, against Pittsburgh. So I think with that adjustment being made and Pittsburgh having one as a result, I, I think they're going to kind of stick with Minka playing closer to the line of scrimmage and these two perimeter corners for Pittsburgh uh, at just this stage of their career, I think are really overmatched. And I just think there's some squeaky wheel narrative here with Ridley as well. He's just been just a massive talking point. He's in the contract year. Uh, I just feel like this match – this is a great matchup on paper for him to get going at only 50 yards. I love it as well. Uh, Steelers giving up the third most yards per game in the NFL this season. So checks all the boxes for me here. Yeah, I in this game, and I think I'm having a tough time going which side of the spread here. Yeah. I think I like Pitt, I think I like Pittsburgh, um, but they had 72 net yards before the final three drives, and I think that was in like eight drives. They had 72 net yards, so they did absolutely nothing offensively. Got helped by a short touchdown uh, coming off an interception there. So I don't know that I'm upgrading their offense with with Deontay Johnson back. It just did not play very well. They're 27th in yards per play now. Jacksonville's defense good versus the run on third down and in the red zone. So I mean, they could limit them pretty well in this game defensively. Pittsburgh 4-2 despite a 
almost a full yard per play differential to the negative size, 0.9 negative yard per play differential. They were been outgained in all four wins. So it really is magic beans. You know, it's, it's, they are, they are not um, outgaining their opponents and they're finding ways to get wins. Uh, their defense been a little bit mediocre. Jacksonville's offense good at avoiding interceptions and sacks. I think they can move it down the field, get some points here, but, but my power rating has value on Pittsburgh. Just, they have a good home field advantage. I think this gap is, is a little bit too big here. And if against the three, I can't ignore the gap. So I'm going to wait for some three, see if three is out there. And at that point, I might play Pittsburgh. There are just three current playoff teams with a negative point differential through seven full weeks of the season. Obviously, some teams have played six games, some have played seven, uh, but the uh, Falcons, negative 18, the Buccaneers, negative one, and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, negative 24 point differential, and they are four and two. I mean, this is like a quintessential how the hell is this happening? Um, I was on my buddy Bill Barnwell's podcast. You can check that out, uh, the Bill Barnwell Show. We did some fake trades and talked about that. And um, I mentioned how I, I there's nothing I love more than this. Like, uh, and CBS has done a great job with it. Like cutting to Matt Canada in the offensive coordinator, like in the coaching booth. And he's like, or, you know, he's up there, and he's like, it's like every time they score, like the first one when they they, they had that long bomb against uh, Baltimore, where, where George Kenny Pickett or George Pickens, and he's like, people are like, he wasn't even happy they scored. It's like. He's not he's not not happy. He just can't believe it. He's like, I didn't call that play. How did that happen? He's like, what? He's like, how how did how did he's like, no flags, really? He's like, this is amazing. We're gonna win this game, and I don't know what I'm doing. And then you saw him again against um against the Rams, where he's like, he's like, Oh, come on, come on. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't do that either. But Kenny, great job keeping up, pal. It's like I would watch an entire game of Matt Canada completely perplexed that his team keeps scoring, even though he has nothing to do with the play calls. It is absolutely my favorite thing going in the NFL right now. New Orleans Saints, New Orleans at the Indianapolis Colts. Derek Carr, a road favorite with a total of 43 and a half. The Saints minus one now. It was a minus one and a half, trickled down just a little bit, RJ. Uh, I think it was who was it who tweeted this out? Um, oh, it was Cleve TA. Maybe I talked about it in the pod, but it's like we talked about it on Monday, I guess, with the early or the early odds show. But uh, like the Saints, Titans, Packers, Falcons, every single week. The line is like minus one, minus one and a half, minus two. And you just don't really know. What, you, you know you're going to get some defense, some low-scoring games. I guess last Thursday they actually put up a ton of points against the Jaguars. But um, hard to imagine this being a, a, a shootout here. Yeah, Saints have played in a lot of unders, uh, under type of games. I think it was 11 in a row before that game. So so I can see that. Their offense is also 28th in yards per play. They were 3 of 18 on third down last week, and their longest completion was 21 yards. Just The offense is not playing very well right now. Indy's defense, you know, they give up a lot of points, it seems, but they actually uh, held Cleveland to 4.4 yards per play in that game, just two drives of more than 36 yards. It was all turnover-based, but that's what you get with Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's going to help both teams score, you know, a- as much as he can and, and make it a high-scoring game, it seems. Off Offense, 6.8 yards per play against a great Cleveland defense that plays man. I think he's a good matchup for Minshew again here, um, even though New Orleans defense is very solid across the board. Um, so you would hope that if you like New Orleans, the defense would carry the team. But it's hard to back that offense on the road, and I think Minshew ha- has a good matchup here. So as long as he doesn't fumble the ball away or throw some easy interceptions, the Colts probably take it here, but this line doesn't know what it wants to be. I'm just a lean Colts right now. Um, but I think that's the way I'm looking because um, just that I, I can't trust the New Orleans offense on the road. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about 
Um, and uh, my buddy, our, our our friend Nick Costas, and I were ta- texting about this with the other, other we have the thread I talk about all the time with me, Pete, Jamie, and Nick. And it's like, <laughs> if you don't get this game right, like I'm in a pick'em league, and if you don't get this game right, you didn't probably didn't do anything wrong. You know, like the Browns and the Colts, like Browns and Colts last week. Like, if you picked the wrong team, you didn't really do anything wrong. There was nothing that, like, you're not like, well, I messed up that handicap. Like, no, it's just a crazy game with a low point spread and weird stuff is going to happen. It kind of feels like this might be the same thing, prop. Yeah, I would agree, Brinson. Uh, as far as props are concerned, I, I'm, there's none out yet. So, uh, yeah, nothing to really work with here. I know Zach Moss missed practice yesterday. Haven't seen his status, whether or not he practiced today. Uh, that could obviously result in a large workload for Jonathan Taylor, who was starting to That's resemble, uh, yeah, the Jonathan Taylor that won the rushing title and had a 2,000-yard season in 2021. Uh, so, yeah, he's someone I've got my eye on for sure. Uh, just the Josh Downs continues to have a really impressive yeah. rookie season. Love what we're seeing out of him. Had that big play, obviously, last week there. Uh, as far as New Orleans offense is concerned, the red zone efficiency is just absolutely horrendous. Uh, just don't know what they want to do. Switching in Taysom Hill, you know, when they get near the 10-yard line. So, yeah, it's just been a struggle for New Orleans. Kamara does look good. He's handling some large workloads. Jamal Williams working back into that mix as well, kind of sk- probably mirror that Mark Ingram role uh, that played alongside of Kamara for obviously the last few years. So maybe Speak, uh, Chris Olave. Uh, oh, yeah, Chris Olave, of course. I was going to say, speaking of, I'm curious what you guys think. RJ, you're in the league, so um, you, you'll, you'll be more in tune with it. But I did a dynasty trade, 14-man dynasty league. I saw somebody talking about dynasty in the chat. This reminded me. Um, I swapped with Dave Richard. I got CD Lamb, Josh Downs, and uh, Jeff Wilson and Dave's 2024 first-round pick and gave up Cooper Cup, Mike Evans, and Alvin Kamara. Did I? I feel like I won because I got the. I, I, I'm rebooting. My team got a lot younger, um, and I traded away the veterans. Obviously, it makes gives Dave a much better chance of winning this year. But uh, those guys, all older, older players in terms of uh, where, where they are on the on that range. Any thoughts on that trade? Yeah, we'll, we'll see with Josh Downs um, how he plays with Anthony Richardson long term because you know a lot of his production here has come with Minshew. Um, so yeah. we'll see how big a part of that offense he is. Ceedee Lamb, of course, still very young. I think twenty four, right? I mean, yep. so so he he's still going to be a, a linchpin of that team for ten years, while Cooper Cup would have been for you know five, three, maybe know, five, yeah, maybe so, five. I think so two, three, yeah. Sets you up better long term. Um, probably looking better for you, I'd say, in two years. But you know, the, the you'll, you'll be the loser of that trade for the next two years, and then the winner after that. That's fine. Um, I got Nick Chubb on my team, too, so he's out for the season, so I wanted to kind of do that. All right, uh, moving along. Houston Texans at Panthers. Unless you have, you didn't have a bet on the Lave, did you, Alex? No, I didn't. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. Is it I, a, I, I, it, with, with that red zone offense, is it like Blake Group over field goal season? Like, is that just ooh, what we do? That's a good call. Every play, I mean, oh, man, Group might be a good indoors, group. So. Group, I am Group. That could be a good fantasy team name. You want to pick up, uh, you want to pick up Blake Group and and, and fire him up mid season. I might go add Blake Group. I have Group mid uh, mid show here. Uh, Texans at the Panthers. Oh man, one and two. CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young or Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud to put it correctly, respectively. The Texans are laying three on the road here. RJ now three and a half. Panthers getting heavy juice there at plus minus one twenty on the three and a half. A total of forty three and a half. This is the first time the Texans have been favored on the road since like our colleague JJ Watt played for him. That's how long it's been. Um, they've been bad. I mean, maybe I'm pretty sure it's Watt. At least like you know since before they when they had Deshaun Watson playing for him. Um, I kind of love the Panthers here, and I don't really have a great reason for it. I just think 
I know Texas coming off their bye too, but you, dude, you the Texans can't be three point road favorites. Carolina's bad, but they are desperate here, and I think Bryce Young really would like to outplay CJ Stroud and kind of calm everything down. Yeah, Houston goes from a basement team because everybody thought they were one of the worst teams in the league to three-point road favorites in six games. That's a very, very high adjustment going going for them. Um, probably a little bit unwarranted as much as I love them, you know, but uh, probably a little bit too high. Carolina has actually been competitive in their two home games. The last three they played on the road that made them look really bad were against top offenses. Um, I don't know that this quite qualifies as a top offense, even with C.J. Stroud playing well. And even though the Houston defense allowed 21 or less in points in four straight, they allowed 400-plus yards in three of those four. They're just getting a little bit fortunate to play teams like the Saints that don't know what they're doing in the red zone. Um, and I think this team is going to know what it's doing in the red zone because it's switching play callers. And now offensive coordinator Thomas Brown taking over the play calling. Uh, expected to be a lot more creative with his play calling, a Sean McVay disciple. Um, a lot of people ticketing him for a head coaching role in, in the future. A lot of a lot of fans in this league. And I think he'll step up. He'll have some, some creative stuff here to do um, with Bryce Young. And the offense is really going to flow a lot better and take it to the Houston defense here. I love them they shouldn't be three point road favorites i'm surprised it's growing back up to three and a half take the points i have a best bet carolina plus three but now that you can get three and a half again in the market i would rush to take that yeah i've got uh the panthers plus three well so do was it uh three or three and a half when we i guess we're locking in at three is that what we're doing yeah yeah, so I, mean, I got yeah, the Panthers' best bet as a Panthers plus three. I think the Panthers are going to win the game outright. And your point about Thomas Brown, so this is the first time he's called plays at the NFL level, I believe. He's been an offensive coordinator in college before. But I do think, one, you're going to have, like, dude, this is your debut as a play caller. Panthers fans, I've, I've pointed this out for several weeks now. My mother, Ann Brinson, the retired Reverend Ann Brinson, not a huge sports fan. Like just not, she's not like. She, I mean, she actually was like told me she reminded me that Game Seven, the Phillies Game Seven, was on when I was at the house like a couple of days ago. So maybe she is a huge sports fan. Point being is, my mom is texting me like, "Why is Frank Wright calling plays? Shouldn't he be giving up the play calling?" Like that's how bad it's gotten for the Panthers and the Panthers fans. Like that's like my mom is texting me about Frank Wright's play calling. If you're Thomas Brown, you know I think Frank Wright will make sure that you know. Like you, you if you're Thomas Brown, you want this to go as well as possible because then you're getting hyped up. Bryce Young is getting hyped up. David Tepper gets off everybody's ass, and he's on everybody's ass right now in a big, big way. You heard Frank Reich talking about it. I think the Panthers come out and look focused. I don't know if they can take shots down the field. I don't know if they can stretch the field, but I think that they will have the protection schemes uh, beefed up, and I think that they will find a way to win this game. The Rams at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus six and a half, a, 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 a quote-unquote big turtle here of 45 and a half this line uh juiced a little bit on the Rams side uh Alex you've got a uh a, a, a best bet here on a receiver prop that is probably going to make my dynasty team happy yeah I was just going to point that out Prince and yeah the aforementioned CD Lamb over Love 65 it. and a half receiving yards I do as well Prince and this Rams team has given up a ton of production to opposing wide receivers CD Lamb has had a very good season the numbers obviously haven't jumped off I think the way that a lot of people were expecting him to enter that top tier elite tier of wide receiver but uh, it's really just been a, a volume based issue the efficiency stats are phenomenal this Cowboys offense has just been very conservative like a byproduct of a lot of those games early in the season where they were up 40 to 10 and then just not really having to throw a lot in the second half, at least against both New York teams. But in a game with a neutral game script, uh, potentially positive uh, passing environment, 
which this one projects to be, in my opinion. I think we'll see CeeDee Lamb continue to kind of be the focal point of this passing attack, just not getting a lot of rushing efficiency from totally Pollard. In my opinion, the Cowboys offense has looked a lot better when Dak's been airing the ball out. So I think this is a good game environment for that. Love CeeDee Lamb to go over 65 and a half yards here. Yeah, I have a best best bet in this game on a team total, and I wanted to to especially highlight that because we have team totals now available in the tool at Sportsline for our experts. So you're going to see some team total picks start coming up in, in on Sportsline. I had one in the Thursday night game. We'll see if it hit. Um, obviously, we don't know that ahead of time. And I have one in this game. I have the Rams going under 19 and a half points. Um, the Rams dominated Pittsburgh for three quarters, aside from that awful pick to start the second half. But it's not like they did a lot offensively in that game. Stafford is likely to struggle here against an elite pass rush. Dallas defense first and intercept rate as well can create turnovers and the Rams defense now down to 17th in yards per play bottom five in sack rate and interception rate I don't know that they're going to put a ton of pressure on Dallas Dallas should be able to get ahead in this game I think and kind of run it down make this a, a, a you know less possession game there because they're running the ball down and Dallas offense hasn't scored more than two touchdowns in a game since week one they're just not that good offensively at getting into the end zone I do think they cover but it'll be the offense's fault if they don't and I think the defense does its job so I'm looking at their Rams under team total as a best bet I think the Rams is the best bet. Um, I think six and a half is just too much. I mean, this is a, a Los Angeles team that is, you know, they're three and four. I really feel like they could be five and two. You know, that, that's in, they lose, lose by three against Cincinnati, and, and Bengals dominated that game, but they kept it close. And then, I mean, honestly, last week, they should have beaten the, the, the Steelers. I'm really confusing. The worst case, they should be uh, four, and, four and three instead of three and four, plus four, positive point differential. Um, Dallas has a plus 54 point differential, but it's largely buoyed by those early blowouts against the Giants and the Jets. Um, I think I think uh, the the Rams here are live to come through the back door with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and uh, and that passing attack led by Matthew Stafford. All right, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna play a game. Of course, more games we'll pick, but we're also gonna play a game. And take a look at a special little parlay we're gonna put together next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I love that like one of the main rules about this, about these shows is like, now look, when we play these ads on YouTube, the people listening to the podcast can't hear it. But that was a, it was a SEC on CBS uh, ad or, or college football on CBS ad, excuse me. And uh, I love that we're like Elvis Costello is pump it up is getting run now uh, back through there. Love that song. That's uh, a, a staple of the PCU soundtrack for, for those, uh, for those people who are, uh, veteranly enough to know about PCU. One of the all-time great movies. Love the, it. Yeah. And it's fair. I mean, like Jeremy Piven, David's like, Jeremy Piven's like first role ever. John Favreau's gutter. I mean, like this is like, this is stuff where like this millennial generation, they don't understand what quality cinematography truly <laughs> was. And it just like, they, like they watch like these like Netflix, like, you know, like, like these like Netflix produced series. Netflix is fine. But I, I was I was trying to do a bit and it's failing. So instead, it's time for the pick six parlay where we select a game for a four-leg money line parlay. There are some rules. First, the person with the best record the previous week is to add the first leg. 
second place second so on ties are broken by season record um if you were watching the, the beginning of the show you are probably aware that uh Catherine, who's not here and i will uh bring up the rear on this so i'll be making two picks one for katie and one for me by the end we have to have at least one plus money pick in there as well so we must have an underdog this pick six parlay segment is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook make every moment more uh last week to say that we didn't hit on the parlay would be an understatement we actually did we went one for three the uh See the Rams lost to the Steelers. That's that's on me. That's, I'll take that L. Oh no no no! So actually, actually Alex, that Alex had the Rams. I like the Rams. Uh, the Bucks uh, did, uh, did. Man, wait, who? Which one hit the Seahawks? The Seahawks win. Seahawks, Seahawks won. Actually. Yeah, Seahawks were the only one that won. The minus three ninety one won, and uh, the Lions, of course, got stomped. Um, so <laughs> RJ, as the uh, as the for the second straight week, the best record you get to make the uh, the first pick for the parlay. Um, I, I mean, look, you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a gentleman of, um, uh, you, you're a gentleman of the highest order one, but you're also a, uh, a gamesman. And I assume that you have a heavy favorite to lock in your second straight week of hitting your leg of the parlay. Yeah. I, I thought about taking the, the underdog, the plus money here and freeing you up from doing it, but I know you're going to do the right thing here in a minute and take the team that I would have put there. So uh, I'm just going to stick to the, the heavy favorite and go with the chiefs minus three thirty-five. Kansas city throttled Denver in the first meeting, but the wind kept the score down there. Denver's home field advantage has not been there this season, lost to Washington, Vegas, and the jets at home. Not worried about that. The only worry for the chiefs is that they have that look ahead game against the dolphins in Germany next week, but their pass offense starting to get settled. I count on them beating bad teams like Denver. So I'm not sure if they cover, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to win the game. So I minus three thirty-five for the Chiefs is the first leg of our parlay. All right, so Alex, you have the you have the next leg, and I was going to point out something here that I've noticed before you you know before and knowing that I have two picks, um, based on what we've the games we talked about, you can probably gather what uh, underdog I might be selecting here, and additionally, um, I think yeah, it's you know. Like I, I just did the quick math on like plugging in four three hundred favorites plus one underdog, and you get to mm-hmm. four to one. Like we we may have got a little too cute week one of this parlay, this FanDuel uh, pick six parlay, where we're like, oh, we gotta get like gotta get minus one thirty, like some close ones. We can go some pretty heavy chalk uh, as long as we uh, add in that underdog. Just a thought. Do you do whatever you want? And you have the I, second pick. I'm um, going heavy chalk, Brinson, and I wanted to go heavy chalk last week until RJ jumped on that Seattle line in front of me. But yeah, I'm just gonna back the Eagles here. I feel yeah. like they're in a good spot to win. Obviously, they're minus two ninety, minus three hundred here. So yeah, love the Eagles. All right, Eagles is fantastic because um, that actually sets up for the exact parlay that uh, I have loaded up here on sportsbook.fanduel.com. Even though I'm in North Carolina, which is not a legal uh, state, you you can still go in there and look at it. And I have the Chiefs, the Eagles, Eagles minus 330, the Chiefs minus 335. And I'm going to tack on now is the team on the road – a little concerning. I don't love that. Don't care though. The Ravens minus uh, Ravens minus uh, three. What did I? What did I have? I got the Ravens at minus four eighty. Uh, Ravens are minus eight and a half at the Cardinals. We haven't talked about that game. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, look, Baltimore is playing. Baltimore's offense really, really stepped up. Lamar's been Lamar Jackson's been playing great this season, and the Cardinals have gotten blown out the last four weeks against good teams. They were frisky and feisty early on. 
not so much uh, the last the last month or so. And I think uh, Baltimore's offense is going to create major problems for the uh, one of the five worst defenses by almost any metric uh, in football this year. And then RJ, am I am I reading the room correctly in assuming that? So that's my third pick. And then for the final pick, an underdog, the Carolina Panthers, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Panthers is an underdog. At home, a three-point dog to the Texans. I mean, I love this parlay. It is four to one. The Ravens, Chiefs, Panthers, and Eagles are the four teams that have to just win outright. Um, I you know we say that Carolina is probably the hard one to. I'm sure that one of those three like heavy favorites will find a way to like make it difficult to cash out this parlay. But I feel really really good about this uh, parlay, and I do think that uh, that Katie Box would get down with the the Ravens selection if uh, if if she if she was here. Uh, don't you guys agree? Yeah, unless she took the uh, 49ers minus they're what three and a half now, so their money line is looking pretty solid there. If she believes in Sam Darnold, Ooh, then yeah, then Sam Darnold, she might right. like them, but. Uh, but yeah, if it, she would have to pick last though, so who knows if she likes the Panthers? Um, you know, if she had, if you were to take the Ravens and made her take the underdog, I don't know that's, what that means. That's true. Um, so that's what we got. We got Chiefs minus three thirty-five, Eagles minus three thirty, Ravens minus four eighty, and the Panthers as a home dog are plus one forty-eight. That gives us a plus four oh seven for a four-leg parlay. Meaty. I love it. I, I'm serious. I think that this is a worthwhile parlay to dabble on. And of course, the Pick 6 Parlay segment is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. All right, the Atlanta Falcons at the Tennessee Titans. Holy friggin' under here. This total, you don't see this very often in the NFL. 35 and a half. I don't think it's supposed to be bad weather in Nashville. I mean, it's like nice right now. It's like North Carolina and Nashville's not that far uh, west of here. I mean, <laughs> It is. It's like 80 degrees outside. I, maybe it's supposed to pour down rain. I think it's more of a byproduct of these two offense. This is like this is like a Mike Vrabel, Arthur Smith fever dream, RJ, with two just teams that just, they're going to like just like just have Bijan Robinson and Derrick Henry run in into each other over and over again, and like let's let that uh, you know that can just be how this whole thing shakes up. Actually, uh, I'll throw to you, Alex, and said because uh, you actually have a Bijan Robinson prop after Arthur Smith completely hosed everyone in America by not playing Bijan until the very end of the game, therefore guaranteeing that his unders would cash. Inexplicable, Brinson. Inexplicable. But yeah, I'm gonna go back to Bijan Robinson. Not that I backed him last week, but just can't help a big discount here. Getting his rushing line of 48 and a half yards. Uh, he's gonna be fresh, obviously, coming into this game. Nowhere and tear from last week. I just really think everyone, uh, as far as Atlanta's their camp is concerned, are calling for more Bijan. This matchup sets up nicely. I know Tennessee's defense early in the season were very stout. They haven't been nearly as stout. I think a lot of that was reputation based. Uh, teams have been running on them much more efficiently uh, over the last few weeks. Atlanta's also the type of team that will try and run on anyone, uh, even a good run defense. So yeah, I think Bijan getting him at 48 and a half yards. I think he's a very, very likely candidate to get 13 to 15 carries in this game. If we look at the game environment as well, it's hard for me to imagine Atlanta trailing by double digits and going pass heavy. I just really think this sets up for a ton of rushing volume. I'd be very surprised, barring injury, of course, if Bijan doesn't get at least 15 rushing attempts and at only 48 and a half yards. To me, this is my favorite prop so far on the board this week. Mm. 
Yeah, tough, tough rush defense, though. I mean, they're seventh in rush and run defense. Um, and I know they've been a little bit shaky in time to time. 28th in, in pass defense. So you really want to attack them with the pass, especially now that they traded Bayard away. It looks like they're selling. Um, so I think that's kind of what you want to do. And now suddenly Atlanta is better with the pass. You know, 400 plus yards, three straight on offense. Ritter finally playing well on the road last week, which was interesting. Um, the one thing he had issues with was fumbles, three fumbles inside the red zone. I mean, they really dominated Tampa in that game. It should have been a blowout. And then, only it was a very close game, kind of unlucky in that sense. Atlanta's defense fourth in yards per play, third on third down, and fifth in the red zone. No one has scored more than twenty four points on them, and I don't think a Tennessee offense starting Will Levis is going to be the one to break that that <laughs> stretch there. Um, so with a murky quarterback situation where he might not even play all of the game, you know, Malik Willis may factor in. Um, Tennessee's offense can run the ball, but they're often in, in, in a lot of other things, and uh, I, I I think that's kind of where the the scoring, the low low totals comes from the the disbelief in the Tennessee offense. I think Atlanta might be able to get some points here. So because the total solo, I might look to the over on Atlanta's team total. I think it's around 18 and a half right now, 19 and a half. Um, but Tennessee doesn't, doesn't allow a ton of points either. And Atlanta is finding ways not to get into the end zone, even though their offense is playing well. So probably a stay away line says it should be pick them, but I'm worried about Tennessee's level of effort after trading with Bayard. So um, maybe just a lean to the Falcons here. Yeah. That Bayard thing definitely gives me a little uh, pause for, or cause for pause. But uh, here's the thing. It, I'm taking the Titans as a as a as a dog here, and I think they win the game outright. Uh, they are plus, you know, I'm getting two and a half at home. Arthur Smith came from Tennessee, like this is he, and he tried. You look at the Falcons, like I've been saying this since the preseason. I mean, th- he basically tried to build a version of the Titans in Atlanta, centered around a, you know a, a top prospect in terms of the the rushing attack. You've got the alpha receivers that you don't really use enough, like A.J. Brown uh, was in Tennessee. And you've got this quarterback who can be efficient. You're not really sure if he's good, uh, but he's, you know, uh, like, okay, like Desmond, he just finds ways to win in theory, right? That's that's what he was trying to do. I, I You know, the problem here is the quarterback, of course, Malik Willis and, and Will Levis. Like, that is – Mike Vrabel hadn't committed to either one. It's an extremely concerning – uh, set up with those guys, but Willis can get loose with his legs at least. Um, and you know, I, I like the Falcons a ton, but I think this is one where Mike Vrabel just finds a way to get his uh, get back into his old offensive coordinator and steal a win. Another. Uh-huh. Yeah. Before you move on, I'll say if you do like the Titans and you have it at plus two and a half, this is, has to be a teaser. You know, you have to put them in a yeah. teaser because the total is so low that it should be just a lot, point. not much variance there. You know, you're not going to lose that game by nine very often. So get them in the teaser, um, get you know, get it up above the seven and you should be good to go if you like Tennessee. That's actually a really good point because the like both the Titans and the Falcons are. And again, like I think Arthur Smith wanted to build a team like the Tennessee Titans and those two teams, like they're just, it's going to come down to one or two plays every single week where, you know, somebody's kicking a field goal late to try and win it. And, and I mean, like, it's just hard, it's hard to see either of these teams blowing each other out. So I, I like that idea with the teaser, maybe even include the, uh, the New York giants, another home dog there. Well, I guess home dog, they're playing the jets in the, what is it? Mouse of the Snoopy bowl, the jets minus three quote unquote, at the Giants, another repulsive total here, uh, 36 and a half, although a little bit of juice on the over, minus 115, and the Giants catching some juice at minus 120, plus three. I, I think Tyrod Taylor is, is Tyrod Taylor or Daniel Jones going to this one, RJ? 
Uh, we don't know yet. Um, I think, you know, he has said that Daniel Jones is the starter when he's healthy. So we'll see how he looks at the end of this week, um, because if he's cleared, he's going to play this game. Uh, the Jets won their last game, but then it was not thanks to the offense. It was that ugly Eagles game, plus four turnover margin, had an interception thrown right to them to get the win, um, ultimately get the win. I know the game wasn't quite over at that point. The Jets offense has had more than 175 passing yards in just one of six games that you do not throw the ball well. And the Giants defense now playing well somehow, um, and the offensive line gets – uh, Thomas back in this game at left tackle expected. So that's going to actually be a very critical uh, upgrade for them because their offensive line has been a mess. The Jets defense been a little shaky, 15th in yards per play, 22nd in sack rate, 30th on third down. We expected this to be one of the best units in the league, and they are very good at a lot of things, but they're, they're just not good at every, as good at, at everything as we expected. I would like the Giants more with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, we'll see what the availability is. I think three is probably too high if he's the quarterback. And even if Daniel Jones is the quarterback and it stays at three, I'd, I'd lean to the Giants here. I think that's the play. I read a report prior to coming on here that Tyrod was expected to start, so I don't know if there's an update there. But, uh, yeah, I like the Giants offense with Tyrod under center as well. One guy that's really come to life has been Darren Waller. He's really benefited uh, from Tyrod under center. I think something that's also helping him is having uh, – effective boundary wide receivers as well. Jalen Hyatt stepping into that role, Darius Slayton, both getting targeted down the field, both offer a lot of speed, kind of opening up the middle of the field for Darren Waller, who had his uh, best game since joining the Giants last week. I like this matchup against the Jets as well, who covered those boundary wide receivers well, and they're vulnerable over the middle of the field, often to tight ends. So look for Darren Waller as a possible best bet from me, uh, still waiting for his prop to, to, to release since we don't know the quarterback situation uh, for the Giants. Yeah, just not a really awesome – actually, you know, in case it's on CBS, I'll just say it's an awesome game. I can't remember if it's on CBS or not. I'm pretty confident the Pats that the Dolphins will be on CBS. Dolphins minus 9.5 down in South Florida with a total of 45.5. i got to be honest, I had the um, I had the Pats as a best bet at plus 9.5, and um, – I pivoted to the under here. It's gone up a point since Tyreek Hill was seen at practice on Wednesday. Um, can I bail on that? Like, I, I, I don't. I sent the Pats under in. I had, I have the Pats plus nine and a half in my column uh, for CBSSports.com. I, I don't really know what I want to do here. I've been awful in the Pats this year. I think I'm one in five, and, and then I, no, no, one in six. I took Buffalo last week as a best bet, and the Pats went outright. Um, I, I honestly like. I, I think. I think you could see. I was banking on Tyreek Hill not playing. That was sort of the buzz on Wednesday was that, or you see the practice on Thursday, maybe. Um, the buzz on Wednesday was that Tyreek might miss a couple of weeks. And now he's just back at practice. Like, what the hell, man? Like, I mean, I, I wanted that under because I, I felt like no Tyreek means we've got, you know, Belichick taking out the run game. We're taking out Jalen Waddle and basically forcing, uh, what, I mean, Braxton Berrios, Cedric Wilson, and, uh, Chase Claypool, the 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 corp the corpse of Chase Claypool to like beat you in, in this game. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought the under looked like a pretty good look, RJ, but now I'm I'm sort of concerned about it. Um I, I'll ride it out because I, I, I do think the Pats will try and slow this down. We have seen Miami hasn't put up a ton of points against New England uh since Mike McDaniel took over relative to how they score against everybody else. So I'll take the under, but I'm a little obviously a lot less enthusiastic about it uh with Tyreek Hill back at practice on Thursday. 
the under should be a pretty good look in most Patriots games with that offense. Yeah. I know that they yeah. looked good last week. I was against a bang, really banged up Buffalo defense. Been harping on that for weeks. The injuries are a killer for them. Uh, New England only had nine third down attempts in the game, so they didn't even you know need to get in those situations where they were in trouble. They didn't get the third down very often. Um, defense on New England's missing key pieces that they had in that seven-point home loss to Miami in week two. Uh, Miami's offense coming off its worst game, as we said, in Philly. Uh, that drops them all the way down to the basement level of 7.7 yards per play. I don't know. I'm sure they're embarrassed about that, Mark. They want to get that up here. Miami's home games, yeah. 50, 50 point win, 15 point win, 21 point win, all against bad teams. I think New England's still a bad team, even though the market seems to now have some respect for them after that win over Buffalo, which I am not overrating because they thought that New England team was awful a week ago with that line. And that, I said at the time, I don't think that line makes sense just because of Buffalo, the Buffalo side. My biggest worry, again, look ahead um, line here for, for, for the Chiefs in Germany and Tyreek Health. If, we, if he plays, I think this line should be well north of 10. I think it should probably be 12 and a half or 13. So the look ahead was 13. So I would lean to Miami. Just wait to see on Tyreek's health. And if he's in, then I think they went by double digits. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I got off the Pats plus nine and a half because it was basically banking on no Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek, he just changes everything because if Belichick shifts – his focus is Tyreek Hill, and you have to do that on defense. Then all of a sudden, Jalen Waddle is like, it can be a number one. And that the run game is just so devastating that, like, out of the Pats are so banged up on defense. Oh, it's just a, a, it's a tough spot. Um, the Minnesota Vikings minus one and a half at the Green Bay Packers. As we uh, mentioned, the Green Bay Packers every single week, one and a half point favorites or one and a half point underdogs. Minnesota, well, I mean, you know, man. You talk about a and Minnesota getting a little bit of juice here at minus at minus one fifteen. The over forty one and a half now also uh, getting a little bit of juice. It is amazing, and this is how the NFL operates, RJ. But the Vikings two weeks ago, the Vikings needed to trade Kirk Cousins and tank for Caleb Williams and give up on their season, and now they beat the Bears. They and, you know, I, I actually wrote about this after they beat the Bears and sorting this on um, for CBSSports.com and um, you know kind of like I mean. To be honest, like in full disclosure, when I wrote it, I was having trouble coming up with some topics from the 1 p.m. games. And so I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe the Vikings could do something. Because I started looking at their schedule. I was like, right, they'll lose to the Niners, but they got a bunch of winnable games going to Dubai. Well, they beat the Niners on Monday Night Football, and now they're just right back in the mix here. I mean, sure, it would be very, very Vikings of them to uh, lose this game in Green Bay against a questionable Packers offense. Um, but you, you, you like Minnesota here, right? I like Minnesota on the first half. It's pretty unbelievable to me that Green Bay's offense was shut out by a historically bad defense in the first half with two weeks to prepare with a supposedly great offensive coach in Matt LaFleur. That tells me he might not actually be very good. Um, and I think the the jury is starting to think that Jordan Love is not very good. It does not look like a starting quarterback at this point. Green Bay's 21st in yards per play. Minnesota defense been saying all year the better than people think. They faced a lot of top offenses and still rank pretty well. Um, we saw that come to play in the San Francisco game there. Their defense is going to bring a lot of pressure here. I don't think Jordan Love handles it very well, yeah. just from what we've seen from him. Um, and Minnesota showed it still has a good passing quarterback with Kirk Cousins in that game, had a monster game against a very good defense. And Pittsburgh's uh, the Green Bay defense hasn't faced many top quarterbacks. So um, this could get ugly here. Um, I'm playing the first half money line for Minnesota. It was minus 110 when we locked in these picks. Now the whole market is and has Vikings minus one and a half. While it was a little sporadic about you know who was going to be favored in this game uh, just a few hours ago, actually. But Green Bay's last four first halves was that nine- nothing Denver um, deficit 
23-3 deficit to Vegas, 27-3 deficit to Detroit, 17-0 deficit against the Saints. It's a total of six points in the first half in their last four games while they're allowing who knows how many to, I'm not going to do all the math right here, but uh, it's, a, it's a, a lot of not great offenses, Denver, Vegas, New Orleans, and then, you of course, you have Detroit, which is a very good team. Um, so this is just a team that is not playing well in the first half. So I'm going to take Minnesota to get ahead and get into an early lead and uh, take the money line in their first half. Hard to get down with anything Green Bay offense related, right, Alex? Yeah, I would agree. Just a real struggle watching them. Uh, RJ mentioned just seeing nothing from that offense against that historically bad uh, Denver defense definitely doesn't inspire a lot of confidence there. Aaron Jones still doesn't look quite 100%. Uh, Jordan Love is completely unable to utilize a vertical threat like Christian Watson. Uh, so, yeah, this Packers offense just really struggling right now. And I've been impressed with uh, Brian Flores and the way this defense is playing. Highest blitz rate in the NFL by a significant margin. Have a really hard time seeing, like RJ mentioned, Jordan Love handling that pressure well. So I actually like Minnesota as a look quite a bit. I think the, the, the quarterback edge uh, in Minnesota's favor is significant. I think Kirk Cousins is playing very good football right now. So I actually like Minnesota as a best bet here. Oh, you want to you want to add Minnesota as the best bet? All right, I will. Um, man, maybe we should put the Vikings in that in that parlay too. But um, I, I'll point this out too. Uh, Harrison Smith was on the Pat McAfee show, and I noted this on yesterday's podcast. But he said that uh, it was interesting. He he what he said was interesting to me because he pointed out that you know he's a veteran. He's been around this league for a long time. He's played in a bunch of different defenses, and he said it's Brian Flores like started showing them some stuff. Like he saw some stuff. He's like, I've never seen some of this stuff, and now it feels like they feel like that Vikings defense feels like they're starting to really kind of figure out how to operate in the Brian Flores defense. And it's, I think it's shown up the last couple of weeks, which just makes Minnesota a much more interesting team. If they can get pressure, particularly on a guy like Jordan love, who uh, is not afraid to turn the ball over or make an errant throw. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back the rest of the Sunday slate, but first Sunday, we can't wait for an NFL on CBS doubleheader. The early games feature Trevor Lawrence and the Jags on the road against the Steelers. Later, Burroughs Bengals try to stop McCaffrey and the 49ers. It all begins at noon Eastern with JB and the guys on the NFL today. All hell Sunday, the NFL is on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Coming up after the break, the Browns and the Seahawks. Oh, my, we'll tell you who wins that game next. I got a confession. I love Jay Cutler so much. I, I like Jay Cutler should be so hateable, and I love Jay Cutler. He's on the Monday NFL, the NFL uh, Monday QB show on CBS Sports Network, along with our uh, pal Adam Shine and a host of other uh, CBS Sports NFL quarterback talent. Man, Cutler just, just he's just disdain for just everything, like total like lack of f's given, just the whole vibe. I just I just love it so much. The Browns at the Seahawks. Seahawks minus three and a half here, Alex, with another ridiculous total, 38 and a half. Uh, it's actually juiced the under two a little bit, and the Seahawks catching some juice as well at minus three and a half. Um, Deshaun Watson, uh, and I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but my goodness, um, I'll probably, I don't know if I, I don't think I'll get yelled at for reading it because I'm simply reading a quote from Devin Witherspoon. Somebody sent this to my group chat. Um, Devin Wertherspoon on Deshaun Watson being ruled out. I guess the doctor, this is a quote, direct quote. I guess the doctors over the, I think this is a quote. Surely I'm not falling for some, um, you know what? 
I'm not going to read the quote. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that I don't know. If, you know what? I'm not sure that that person is a real Twitter account. So I'm. If you're watching on, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see how much I just blushed, realizing that that is 100 percent a fake <laughs> quote. <laughs> that was incredible Holy to watch in real time. <laughs> oh my god! I am so glad I didn't read that quote. Holy moly! Um. Alex, you've got a prop in this one. Oh, man. And I do a prop. Yeah, it's probably not as good as that quote, though, unfortunately. Oh, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to take Kareem Hunt under 46 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I just think this number is four to six yards too high for Kareem Hunt. Obviously, no, there's no Jerome Ford in that Cleveland backfield. But we saw what happened last week when Ford went down. It was primarily the Pierre Strong show. I don't think uh, at this stage of career, Kareem Hunt's career, they really want to utilize him as a feature back. I think it's going to be a 1A, 1B type situation. And then Kareem Hunt just isn't the same running back that he was in years past. All the efficiency metrics are very low this year. Seattle's run defense is excellent as well. I know they're a little bit banged up in their linebacker group, but I do anticipate Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner both to suit up in this game. Uh, Princeton mentioned the very low total as well. I just think yards are going to be hard to come by, especially when it comes to running the ball. I really don't see Kareem Hunt eclipsing 10, 11 carries at most. So uh, unless he breaks a big run, which he's really not doing at this stage of his career, I think there's a good shot. He stays under 46 and a half rushing yards. And he's playing one of the best run defenses in the league. They're third and third in yards per rush, but I believe they entered the last game first. And, and you know, maybe a little bit of weakness there, but they, I think mean, they're going to handle the Cleveland offense here um, with uh, with whoever's playing quarterback. You know, we expect PJ Walker there, um, but if he struggles again, who knows if he finishes the game? The Seattle defense now third in yards per play overall um, on the season two. They're not quite in Cleveland's tier because uh, you know how great the Cleveland defense is, but they're pretty close, I think. And the Cleveland offense is well below Seattle's offense, um, which is pretty solid. It was a lucky win for the Browns last week, 4.4 yards per play. Two, only two of their 15 drives went over 40 yards. They're going to need bad turnovers to win this game. And Seattle covered last week despite a minus three turnover margin. They are capable of the bad turnovers. So maybe Cleveland gets one of those magic bean situations and, and, and escapes with the win here. But on Sportsline, we took Seattle minus two and a half. Um, there, even with Sean Watson was was on track to play, there's no business. This line had no business being on that side of three. I'm still going to lock it in on this podcast as at minus three and a half is a best bet. Uh, Seattle gets two for home field, and I think this line should be six. I think that's the gap between these teams right now. All right. I uh, actually think Seattle's a really good look as well um, and would probably add them as a best bet if I if we weren't pushed for time and uh, and I hadn't already sent in my best bet. So instead, I'll go to Cincinnati at San Francisco. Let's, we're going to rip through these last couple of games pretty quickly. Um, I'm going to take the under here, 43 and a half. Uh, the Bengals, like Brock Purdy's not going to play. I mean, Brock Purdy's not going to play this game. I don't think, um, you know, there, we haven't seen a single player who's entered concussion protocol either in the game or during the week that was uh, actually played the following week. So it's going to be Sam Darnold. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan will try to protect him, not want to throw the ball around too much with Darnold as, 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 as good as Darnold can be, I think, in this offense. And then the Bengals coming out of the bye, I expect him to try to run the ball a decent amount. Um, see if they can get something going on the ground against San Francisco. I like the under here. Anybody have want to weigh in on this game? 
Really depends on what you think Joe Burrow is going to be coming out of the bye with two weeks to to rest now because he hasn't been great. The offense 32nd in yards per play. And I think a lot of what we think the Bengals are going to be moving forward is projection and, and them taking a step up at some point. Um, this line was San Francisco minus one before the season. That tells you how far, how far the Bengals have fallen. So if you think that you're getting at that Bengals team that we thought from before the season, they're definitely the play here on the other side of three. Um, I think Darnold can have some success here. I don't think Burrow's going to be all the way back since he's defense also 30th in yards per rush. So so they can just lean on the run there too with yeah. McCaffrey and, and have a good game. So I would lean to San Francisco, hoping to get it at three, um, but it looks like the market's kind of settled on three and a half right now. Ravens minus eight and a half at the Cardinals over under 44 and a half. The Cardinals, uh, again, they were frisky as hail the first couple weeks of the season. And then the last four weeks, they lose 35-16 to the Niners, 34-20 to the Bengals, 26-9 to the Rams, and 20-10 to the Seahawks. Three of those four on the road, of course. The Bengals game was in Arizona. Baltimore coming in hot here, Prop. Um, you think? I mean, To me, by the way, Lamar Jackson, if you're going to make a bet, Bet Lamar Jackson win MVP right now because it is he's going to be the favorite in a couple of weeks. He gets the Cardinals and then Seattle. Uh, I think you can probably you know, Seattle's defense much better, but you can throw on those teams. And I expect him to uh, to be in the two to one, three to one range uh, within the, the fortnight. I couldn't agree more, Princeton. I was literally about to make the same exact point as you. Lamar is my pick for MVP, especially looking at the board right now. I believe he's the fourth in odds, so I think there's still a lot of value to be had there. Just been so impressed with this Ravens offense, uh, specifically Lamar, but really just uh, yeah, the Todd Munkin effect, his completion percentage, uh, career high, uh, just looks very comfortable dropping yep. back. Zay, Zay Flowers has had a really good rookie season as well. Saw that Mark Andrews breakout we had been waiting for. So, yeah, they're just clicking on all cylinders. Uh, love what I've seen out of Baltimore's offense. Uh, as far as uh, the Cardinals are concerned, they've just really cratered uh, over the past few weeks, playing well above expectations. That's something we had talked about at length on this very podcast, was fading them the last few weeks. And, uh, yeah, they're it's just profitable for sure. Very profitable, losing by double digits. I think three of the four last week. So, uh, yeah, all, yeah, all four, all, no, four all, four, all four weeks. Yeah, yeah, lost by double digits all four weeks. Chiefs minus seven and a half at the Broncos. Sorry, I'm trying to keep this show uh, at an hour so I don't get so I don't get yelled at. Katie keeps it under an hour. Brenton, what's your problem? No buys, no buys. Chiefs minus seven and a half at the Broncos over under 45 and a half. The over getting a little bit of juice. The Broncos getting uh, minus 120 here, RJ. You have the Chiefs as a uh, the money line pick in our parlay. Uh, do you like them as a possible teaser leg or is that a little too cute for you? Um, you could tease them. Um, I think that's that's fine if you can get the seven and a half. Um, if it's at seven and you like the the Chiefs, you might as well just play them there. Their offense was masterful in the first half against the Chargers, starting to figure out who to target on the wide receivers. Yeah. Denver's D shut down a bad Green Bay offense for a half. They're still 32nd in yards per play, and it seems like Kansas City can can put up whatever it wants to on this defense. The Denver offense can run the ball on Kansas City, though, um, but if they fall behind, it's over. Um, they were outgained nearly two to one in the first meeting. Kansas City at 389 yards to 197. The score didn't really reflect it. Uh, Kansas City is capable of running away, but again, it's a look ahead next week. Divisional matchup on the road at seven and a half. I would lean Denver, um, but at seven, I think Kansas City is probably the, the value. Travis Kelsey, 12 catches on 13 targets in Arrowhead Stadium against the Chargers with his girlfriend Taylor Swift watching among many other people and, and she's faithful uh, 179 yards ridiculous 84 yards for Marcus Valdez scaling four different receivers caught a touchdown pass including your boy Ray she rice who you've been hyping up prop uh, I, I I've been telling people you know I'm not in leagues with them to pick him up in fantasy think you were right there and he is going to develop um certainly a guy that Patrick Mahomes seems comfortable with and trust the Bears 
at the Chargers. Chargers minus eight and a half. This is Sunday night football. Uh, over under 46 and a half. Um, no real movement here, just kind of sitting stagnant. Uh, we, I think, is Justin Fields out, out, or is it? I mean, I think it's going to be Tyler Bajan, aka yeah. Yeah. Secret yeah. Bajan Man, starting for the second straight week. Barry's been frisky. I mean, I wouldn't want to make him a best bet, RJ, uh, eight and a half, but I do feel like. The fall, I think the Chargers probably win, but I feel like the Bears could backdoor cover this. Yeah, Tyler Bajan so underrated. His name's actually Tyson Bajan. Um, oh, Tyson. I <laughs> Tyler is I just call him Secret Bajan Man. That's all I know. Secret Bajan Man. Um, yeah. Secret Bajan Man. They won that game. He had 4.4 yards per pass in that game. He wasn't that great. I know he led the offense well. It was against a very bad Raiders team. This is a step up. Even though the Chargers defense, 31st in yards per play, 32nd in yards per pass. After another awful showing for them, it might not matter here because I don't think Tyson Bajan on the road is somebody that's going to get it done um, in this matchup. Um, Chiefs, uh, the Chargers offense, sixth in, in red zone rate, where the Chicago defense is 31st. So Chargers can put up a big number, score some touchdowns instead of field goals like they typically like to do. Best bet here is to tease it while it's less than nine. I'm putting Chargers in a teaser with the Lions who play on, on Monday night. Get them both down under nine, go minus two and a half. And, and I don't see how either of those teams don't win by more than three points, three points or more. I actually think the under is a good look in this game, personally. Uh, Chicago's offense, mentioned with Bayesian under center, uh, he's just not throwing the ball down the field whatsoever. They're sustaining extremely long drives. Dante Foreman had the good game against the Raiders as well. I think it's just going to be very conservative offense from them. The Bears' defense has actually performed well the last three or four weeks as well. Uh, so I think with Justin Herbert, with the thumb injury being at less than 100%, the offense hasn't looked the same without Mike Williams. Josh Palmer banged up. Uh, yeah, I just think this game has the potential to be a lower scoring variety. So I think the under 46.5 is a good look here. All right, let's recap our bets, our best bets for week eight of the 2022-2023 NFL season. Uh, Katie Mock's not here, so we don't have hers. She gets the big X, which means, uh, you know what, um, Katie got good news. Everything's She's good, so I'm gonna go ahead and make fun of her for this one. She's she's gonna she's gonna get as many right this week as she did last week. Hello! Uh, okay, that was un unnecessary and mean. That's fine. Typically, uh, typically, the X there in a box means a strike, and it's very good because it's a bowling thing. So I think that's right. That's right. That is. Yeah. Uh, excellent work by Harry. Is always putting these together. I've got the Panthers. I'm gonna read. Uh, I got the Panthers plus three, the Rams plus six and a half, the Titans plus two and a half, and two unders: New England, Miami under forty five and a half, and Cincy, San Fran under forty three and a half. Reacting aggressively to injury news that will surely bite me in the ass. RJ has Philly minus six and a half, Carolina plus three. The Rams team total under 19 and a half. Minnesota first half money line. The Seahawks minus three and a half. And a teaser with the Chargers minus two and a half. And the Lions minus two and a half. That's the Sunday night, Monday night teaser special. Alex has the Calvin Ridley over 52 and a half receiving yards. CD Lamb over 65 and a half receiving yards. Bijan Robinson over 48 and a half rushing yards. And Kareem Hunt under 46 and a half rushing yards that'll do it for our show the best bets week eight show we'll be back on sunday night with the super friends make sure to subscribe smash the like button turn on alerts and if you're listening to the audio version give us a five-star review for alex for rj i'm brinson thanks for watching thanks for listening we'll see you guys later